how did you start uh, like getting into meditation? You told me that you know like a lot about mindfulness meditation. Is that like something you got into just to like calm your nerves when you were younger or? No, I actually heard about it through a guy named Sam Harris who... Oh, Sam Harris, the famous Sam of. Harris. Yeah, and uh, he now has an app. Uh, he has his own uh, meditation app. Oh. Um, and uh, and I, read, I read a few other books as well and just kind of got me got me interested. And now I've been... I'm what's, not... the, what's the name of Sam Harris's app? Because I know a couple of the meditation app. I know there's uh, that one with the, the, the guy's voice. Oh, so calm. it is calm. It's literally called. There's one yeah, called calm. Yeah, and there's the other one that I'm thinking of. It's not either of those, is it? No, it's called waking up. Oh, waking up. Yeah, to stay woke. Okay, well that's pretty sick. I use. Uh, I don't know if this is considered a proper meditation app. There's Insight Timer, and they have like a bunch of different. It's just like I guess a portal for all sorts of other like meditation, guided meditation, people to get in there and whatnot. But okay. Honestly, yeah, like the YouTube of meditations. Yeah, I wouldn't give it that much credit, but. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Cool. Um, so for you, Cole, it seemed like when we were like around 12 or maybe even younger, I don't know, that's when I started to notice it is you started to take a real interest. It seemed like after you like, I mean, when we were, I've known Cole since I was like four. Okay. Um, and then when we were just kind of getting to be teenagers, Cole started to do quite a lot of moving around. He like you know, move cities from where we had been for a while. Um, why don't you tell them a little bit about that kind of period of life? Because that'll be a good segue into probably how you got into learning about meditation and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I'll just kind of talk about my upbringing and what got me into, I guess, spirituality. Uh, so first of all, I grew up in the forest, loved the outdoors and enjoyed life. And then I realized, uh, you know, life is kind of crazy and murder happened and, you know, terrible <laughs> crap happened throughout the world. And it made me kind of go on a quest like, oh, why is everything the way it is? Like, I just asked so many different questions of so many different types of uh, subjects. Mm -hmm. And I remember, I think it was during a Soyuz when we were kids, I had that Eckhart Tolle book, The Power of Now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember that hitting home into like, oh, okay, so there's certain people in the world that actually know the answers I'm looking for. You actually gave me that book about two yeah. years ago and I really enjoyed it and I had like actually like an epiphany moment too, just like a decade after you did. <laughs> yeah, no, Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, uh, even that documentary, The Secret, that came out in 2007, <clears throat> I believe. Yeah. All those things gave me huge confirmation that there's like, there's more to reality than uh, what we're kind of just told on a, like a, on the masses level. And it just led me down a rabbit hole of understanding consciousness, health, uh, healing modalities, the power of the human body and what we're capable of and healing uh, like genetically and all yeah. those really cool topics. And I just kind of fell in love with meditation because I realized meditation is almost like a, a fundamental practice to upgrade yourself as a human to mm -hmm. your like fullest potential. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it's sort of funny because I think when you're a kid, you're a little bit more in tune with what it means to be like mindful. Like I've just found when I was young, I don't know about you guys, like it was really easy for me to kind of be in the moment. And I don't know if that's because everything's novel and new. So you're sort of pulled into just experiencing the present Definitely. because it's yeah. new. But uh, it was always interesting to me that you got into that as, as, at such a young age. So. Yeah. So how old were you when you got into meditation? I want to say like not really directly meditation, but I guess the awareness that meditation exists probably around 
11, maybe 10. Okay. I remember you showing me these like Buddhist monk chants in yeah. your grandma's house when we were like, <laughs> yeah, that's the one when we were like 11 or something. Yeah, I've always been, I, I was just talking to this lady at this uh, volunteer center about how, oh yeah, I started learning about uh, spirituality when I was 10 is like, oh, like that's not normal. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, yeah, I know. Oh. I was not a normal kid. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you're not from like a super spiritual family necessarily. Like I know your mom's side My is, mom's pretty is, on that is into side. that, but, uh, you weren't really like, you know, growing up going to a, like a place of, of praying or like worship or yeah. like a church or anything like that. You just sort of found that on your own. Swinged it. Yeah. Just like, let's do it. I always think like forest was my like my worship. Yeah, we grew up in the country, so it was okay. yeah. definitely helpful. It's really cool that um, that's kind of where your interest is and your knowledge um, background is on on the subject of meditation. Because I I got my notepad here and I got like two pages of I kind of separated this discussion at least in my my mind into the practical benefits of meditation and the spiritual benefits of meditation mm. and. This, I have literally two lines, two two notations as to the spiritual side of things. I'm that's, I don't have much much uh, knowledge there, so I think that's perfect because um, I was I was hoping one of you guys did, and apparently you're an expert, Cole. So that's awesome. I wouldn't nice. say I'm an expert. I'm just passionate about these type of subjects. Like this is what I would love to talk about over uh, sports. Like sports is cool yeah. and all, but. It's like, all right. Yeah. You know, your personal interest in that. Yeah. The guy with the New York sank you had over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm such a hypocrite, but I'm yeah. kidding. Uh, well, the first thing I did want to get into, I guess, would be the practical side of things. And if we're going to guide this conversation along, just because I think for anyone that's listening, the practical benefits would be more of a draw. And then we can maybe get into spirituality. Sure. Yeah. I'd love to hear from Simon. Um you had mentioned to uh, me that you have more of a background in mindfulness meditation, that sort of thing. How did you end up like starting that journey of learning about meditation and then from meditation going into mindfulness meditation as like more of a, uh, a specialized interest? Right. Well, I think mindfulness meditation is um, such a good example of um, what modern society has uh, really taken from traditional Buddhist practice, the Theravada tradition, um, and in the form of Vipassana meditation, um, it is, um, it, I, I was aware of meditation growing up, and I think there are a lot of benefits to other forms of meditation, yeah. but just in terms of day-to-day uh, ability to navigate and control your emotions, mm-hmm. um, that was a big appeal to me. Yeah, it seems like the most immediately practical to the average person. Absolutely. And so Cole, you mentioned initially this idea of um, being in the moment and you mentioned Eckhart Tolle. And so that is kind of um, a tool or a means to the end in, in, so it's kind of taken a step further in mindfulness meditation where that is absolutely critical, but that's not the point in and of itself is to be in the present moment. Um, um, you know, so a common practice amongst most different forms of, or schools of, of, um, meditation is, you know, focusing on your breath or focusing on different, you know, feelings in your, in your body. And ultimately that's the, that's the goal of mindfulness is to be able to live moment to moment better. And when you're practicing meditation to really experience all of 
the different components of consciousness and its contents. So, and to, and to be able to start to view all of the different sensory experiences you have um, in the same way as you would view your emotions or the thoughts that are coming into your head because they're all just a product of um, consciousness. So mm. just to kind of tie all that up, um, I'm a big fan of you know, empirical data and science and right. it's so fascinating to see how this tradition that is how many thousands of years old and has had benefits obviously through, you know before modern science was a thing yeah we're now we're seeing we're able to do you know mri scans of of, of people while meditating or look at yeah. brain anatomy of experienced meditators and compare them to non-meditators and and we kind of are able to get that scientific backing into what we were always seeing uh, as a as a truth or as a you know yeah. a, a power, so powerful you practice feel was there but now we have you know some empirical data showing that it does in fact make a difference. Yeah, and I want to talk about that at some point um, in terms of you know the different um, brain uh, um, brain neuro, neuro um, chemistry and uh, and so, how. The so before we get too interact. deep yeah. into it, if you don't mind, Cole, um, just explaining I guess the difference between mindfulness meditation and. Uh, a classic meditation like zero I have written down is yeah. it pronounced properly or yeah zero? I guess at the most basic level because the terms can be interchangeable to a lot of people especially in the West is like mindfulness is more of uh, having awareness on something so like mindfulness you could be mindful when you're cooking when you're doing a sport when you're playing music mm -hmm. you're just very aware of what you're doing at that present moment Whereas, uh, I guess, classical meditation uh, from, like, Tibet and India, the, they, there's a whole host of different types of meditations, like, different practices. But I guess to uh, its basic core level is to discipline the mind, but also to, to be aware of nothing, of nothing. And you can, they go kind of off tandem with each other. So if you practice one, you're going to be better at the other to some extent because you are you know, honing on a skill of using your own discipline to essentially quiet the monkey mind. Like the monkey mind can make your own prison mm -hmm. where people can be bombarded by their own thoughts, mm -hmm. their own criticisms, their beliefs. And if you kind of let that go off into oblivion, people will literally lose their minds because they're letting their mind kind of run the show. And when you say monkey mind, you mean the mind that's concerned with things that are related to survival. Exactly. Yeah, like we have, research has said we have like 50,000 to 70,000 thoughts every day. Mm. And they also know that thoughts can invoke an emotional reaction and that emotion can actually change the physiology of our body. So if you're having empowering thoughts and you are loving life, you're grateful and you feel good for the most, uh, most of the day, your body is going to reflect that on a physical, genetic, uh, blood pressure, telomere level. Whereas the opposite occurs when you're feeling disempowered, you're negative, you're uh, hateful, you're fearful, you're whatever type of emotion that makes you feel like crap, that will also have an impact on your your life quality and your, your health overall. It's kind of a tandem, but yeah. I, I always like to bridge the idea that thoughts are in connection to who we are 100%. Hmm. And a lot of people think that our thoughts are like separate little entities that exist on their own and no one can hear it, but they are a direct kind of like hmm. creator reflection of you as an entire being.
that's a good way to like set the foundation for what is meditation and, and uh, mm -hmm. why I think people do it at all and why there's so much interest in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Cal, do you meditate? So, oh, I Oh, doesn't was... meditate. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you let me finish. <laughs> I, uh, I was actually introduced to mindfulness meditation about three years ago. I, um was visiting a friend down in uh, the Bay Area. He actually works at Facebook. And so he was in, uh, I think, what do they call them? The SEALs. He was in the, he wasn't worked for the, or he was in the Navy SEALs for a while. He's a very A-type personality, but he's always about self-improvement. And so one of the conversations we discussed was mindfulness meditation and how you could kind of disseminate, like you said, be mindful of every individual action that you're doing and just, being conscious of it and um, attacking at it to improve yourself. Mm. And for me as a layman, when it comes to uh, meditation, for the longest time when I think of meditation, I just think of, you know, the Buddhist chanting, um, you're sitting yeah. down, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that pose and whatnot. And as I was doing research as well, I think that's one of the biggest issues that uh, people have trying to, uh, or, or people that practice meditation have trying to, to explain to other people. So. Yeah, there's sort of like a preconceived notice, notion of like what meditation is sometimes, mm -hmm. or it's like, I mean, even myself, like if I think of meditation, I usually relate it to things like in like Eastern Asia or, 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 or I mean like Western Asia, like India, like mm -hmm. sort of Tibetan. Those are the things that like come up in my mind. But, you know, thanks to mindfulness meditation and especially in the last decade, it seems like it's really started to uh, form its own identity in the West and... Yeah, it's becoming yeah. popular. Like people, yeah. are like, oh, you you meditate? That's cool. But if I would have said I meditated five years ago, e yeah, even five years ago, people would be like, "What? Like, okay, yeah. cool, I guess." Mm -hmm. But now it's like, "Oh, hell yeah, dude!" So, <laughs> do you got how how I, I I'll say this? I've gone through like a periods of like meditating every day for like a few weeks, and then not at all for a long time. And I think probably it's one of those things that seems to be like you have to do it consistently for a long period of time. To really see the results, definitely, and to get that motivation to continue, um, it's like it's like anything, right? Like, um, and I like to equate meditation to going to the gym, but for your brain, mm -hmm. and sure. that's obviously, as we can all attest to, that's can be a difficult thing to maintain on a long-term basis. But yeah, absolutely, the benefits uh, they they're slow to accrue, but when they do, um, you start to, and, and this goes to what you were saying earlier, Cole. It, you really start to. Um, be automatically more in the moment without thinking of it on a day-to-day -day basis when you're not meditating. So it's yeah. kind of a, a benefit, one of those benefits you do see um, outside of meditation practice. But there are benefits of the meditation practice itself. Um, so some of the non-mindfulness, like um, Vipassana forms of meditation, um, the idea is to really... Um, get that ecstasy, right? And you can, and meditators can experience... I haven't... I've, I've had like... Uh, small amounts of it at times, but mm -hmm. like prolonged bliss and right. physical ecstasy. And that's great. But I think like a lot of, um, you know, teachers would say that's good, but that's ultimately not the purpose. You're not, right. you know, it, 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 there are better ends than just pleasure, physical than pleasure, physical pleasure or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's also, there's a type of yoga that focuses on Ex, like experiencing that state kundalini yeah kundalini yoga isn't that sort of related to attaining that state of bliss yeah well like they have kundalini meditation and yoga and sometimes they go hand in hand 
and yeah. then some studies they will incorporate a handful of like different meditation practices, yoga, stress reduction, even diet change, and they'll see how if they can change the person's complete uh, nervous system essentially to one that's relaxed. Yeah. Then all these changes kind of occur. But yeah, you can get uh, like that blissful state through meditation or through yoga and a whole host of probably other techniques I don't even know about. <laughs> yeah. I think all of the time when I think of yoga, it's like more, I suppose because I've never done it for that consistent amount of time, I've never attained like something like a state like that or like huge benefits. For me, it was always like, well, it's like a nice way to rest and sort of like develop my focus or get good at not focusing on anything at all, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. Well, I should jump in there because I think that's where kind of um, dancing around this, this, this one of these core ideas of meditation is it, you know, this idea of flow state, right? So you, um, yeah. and um, when you, when you're um, doing any kind of activity that you're, that you're not good at, that you have to really focus your energy on, yeah. you, you leave what's called the default mode network mm. and you go into that, you know, that flow state. And right. that's what ultimately meditators are, are looking to be able to achieve on a regular basis. And, and, and experienced meditators, their default mode network is toned, toned down big time. So that, ah. that, um, kind of background thought that's distracting you when you're not focused on a task, mm. that's something that you can suppress with, with meditation practice, especially mindfulness meditation practice. And I wonder if that's why, kids who do things like practice music or like really high level sports often also do really well in school because right. they are good at silencing that background no noise. The, I guess the only time that I've really experienced that really intensely is like during practice. I remember the first time I had that sort of feeling of like being out of my body and like watching myself do something mm -hmm. is when I was practicing piano when I was like a kid. And since then, like I find during that time is pretty much the only place that mm -hmm. I experienced that. But uh, that idea of flow state is really interesting. So meditation, would you say, is, or at least in the type of meditation that we're talking about right now, it's largely about being able to sort of achieve that flow state without having to do something external and sort of just be Essentially, as yeah. present as possible. I would also, sorry. You oh, go ahead. Um, okay, well, so it, it, I think in when you start to practice the mindfulness um, meditation, you start to get a feel for that a bit, a bit more of a kind of a buffer between the, the emotions that you'll experience on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. and your reaction to them. So it gives you that time to um, kind of a, um, respond and that can help you be a bit more detached from these events that are occurring all around you on a day-to-day -day basis, which, which can allow you to maybe be more present in the moment. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess I would also argue that I think we're naturally designed to be more mindful and more in the present. And this is one of those things that you just, we should be more aware of how we are, but you can almost see people run, I guess, programs where they're kind of doing the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. You know, they do the same routine. They're always just kind of on autopilot. They yeah. get upset when someone cuts them off in traffic because that's what they taught themselves to be. And that is, for me is like your own internal, I guess, prison. Mm -hmm. And meditation is one of those like key codes where you wake up like, oh, I'm living the same routine every day, working nine to five to live the life, to pay the bills. Yeah. And meditation is kind of gives you that, that overview where you're like, oh, okay, 
I could take a step back, reevaluate, and change. It, that's what I refer you're... to with the default mode network. That's kind of ha yeah. having that toned down big time. Is right. exa exactly the, the idea. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the exact same yeah. thing. So using your example of the road rate, actually, that as a practical form, mm -hmm. mindfulness was would help me kind of tone down my emotions when I get upset in traffic. This is for people that kind of don't understand meditation. It would just be like, okay, you take a step back and say, why Why am I doing this? Why am I behaving this way? Yeah. Mm. And it helped me kind of improve, um, I guess, all facets of my life. Exactly. And you yeah, can even take a, a step further and you can not only analyze your behavior, but analyze the thoughts that, you know, initially make, you know, dictate your behavior. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good example to what Calvin was just talking about with being in traffic and sort of you can get overwhelmed with negative emotion i mean or positive emotion but in driving usually yes. not positive emotion. <laughs> but you were talking about silencing the monkey mind and that's a good example of like you know someone cuts you off immediate rage you're not thinking yeah and it's just that monkey it's like mind you know. it's yeah, exactly. it's a really fun practice to whenever you're experiencing any kind of extreme emotion whether it be <clears throat> anger or anxiety is a big one for me if i have a really big um you know presentation or something coming up mm. i stay up all night yeah. and and what I found was the one remedy that I've been able to find has been mindfulness meditation because when you look at that feeling from a critical distance, you yeah. analyze it and really feel the texture, like the substance of that feeling, mm -hmm. you kind of disarm it. Like it doesn't yeah. make it go away, but you you kind of become one with it. You kind of realize that that's, it's, it's not that bad. It's, you know, you can, and I usually yeah. feel it in a part of your body and, and then eventually you stop fixating on it because you kind of detach yourself from, from that, yeah. mo that previous emotion that you were basically like locked into as, as you said, Cole, in terms of, um, these day-to-day -day mental patterns that we get ourselves into. So. And what's interesting about that is when you're doing that, you're basically like, let's say we're, we'll use the example of anxiety as the emotion, which you're experiencing. You're basically just learning how to experience that emotion properly. And that's, I think a lot of what they do like uh, when people are like going through therapy for traumatic events. Yes, cognitive, uh, what is it? No, uh, yeah, C CBO, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a kind of a practical application of mindfulness meditation uh, principles. Yeah, and I, uh, like I, when I was in, after university, I started to have like random anxiety attacks for a while. And when I first start having them, it's really weird because you start to use, you get sort of fixated on the physical symptoms. You're like, why is my heart beating so fast? Why is everything so bright? Because your pupils are dilating and obviously your heart rate's increasing. But the more you come to understand like what's happening, the more you can learn how to properly um, experience that emotion without having uh, opinions attached to it. Like, yes. oh, this is bad exactly. or this is uncomfortable. You can say, oh, this is happening. And then you can kind of move on from there. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. So right. Me so this. I wanted to take a step back again. I'm I'm, I'm the layman in all of this, but mm -hmm. so am I. Don't how worry. <laughs> how would someone, um, I guess, begin mindfulness meditation while we're focusing on mindfulness meditation? Mm -hmm. Because the way we describe it, we're we're talking about all the benefits. But how does one do that? Do we do we just sit down? Do you you close your eyes? You think, or do you just you focus on something? Or? So for beginners, the best way to start is just by focusing on on something usually it's the breath is the kind of the easiest thing to focus on and that's kind of the first step in just developing that tool um but ultimately you want to be able to um experience like so um experience all of these different um sensory inputs 
in the same type of space as we observe our thoughts, yeah. right? So, and, or emotions, right? And so it's a very difficult thing to sit cross-legged and not get distracted by that default mode network that wants to take you in some direction. Mm. And you'll even experience meditators, they find themselves, you know, kind of getting on that train, realizing they're on it, and then getting off again and going back to the breath, yeah. back to the breath. And as a beginner, I can say like one of my problems with what you're talking about was like, always in the back of my head, I was thinking there is a more productive way I could be spending my time, but it's sort of, mm. I'm stuck in like, oh, I need mm -hmm. to be doing more and more, yeah. you know, it's like sort of the, the antithesis antithesis of what meditation is right and and it's you know we're constantly distracted by generally it tends to be stuff we've done in the past or stuff we're worried about in the future but it can be anything you know like you saw a good looking girl at work or whatever and just right. your brain just taking you on that road but you have to it's really i think healthy and important to take that time out of your day to just you know, not be distracted by those things and unwind yeah. psychologically. Yeah. Essentially, we have like this highly advanced computer system throughout our whole entire body. Like our DNA is almost like uh, data and our brain can have software, right? Like the brain is the hardware, uh, the hardware, the the belief systems, belief systems that we have is like the software. And Essentially, if you go through a traumatic experience, right, you're in a car accident or someone breaks your heart or whatever painful moment you had in your life, you can develop a virus, which is you get stuck into that moment, you get stuck in the emotion, you never heal from it. And so people over a period of their life, they accumulate all this damage, all this, you know, the trauma and they have addictions, they have certain thoughts that they think all the time. So you can really screw yourself up if you're kind of just living, you know, like the the common person, I guess. Mm, definitely. Um, and I, I don't want to derail the conversation, but I think this might be a good time to bring up the idea of psychedelics because uh. <laughs> this is the intersection right here is kind of the, the psychological intersection um, in terms of the utility of psychedelics yeah. versus, versus meditation, right? So I think a good way, and, and I've, so before I practiced meditating, I tried psychedelics and I had, you know, some of the most illuminating or, you know, uh, impactful moments where I was able to com completely break out of that mental, tr you know, uh, way of thinking that, that yeah. uh, cycle. Mm -hmm. But the problem with drugs is they only last a certain amount of time, right? Right, so right. the idea is you're kind of strapping yourself <laughs> to one, a, one of the many problems. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'll I, tell you I, another one in a moment. Yes. Too. So <laughs> the idea kind of is like you're with, with, with psychedelic drugs, you're strapping yourself to a rocket and that it, it will take you somewhere. You don't really know where, yeah. but with meditation, you can kind of get to that same destination, but you're going, you know, with a boat, with a sail, you can kind of steer it. It's yeah. more slow going. <laughs> um, it takes more practice and dedication, you earn it. but it's healthier. Exactly. And you earn it. And it's, it's without all of those, you know, negative downsides and yeah, you <laughs> I, I, I can't, it's funny. I, I just real quick, I think who was it? It was Carl Jung or someone said, be careful of like uh, knowledge you don't earn. I think referencing psychedelics specifically, right. um, which is fair because my experience with psychedelics was not the same as yours. Okay. Um, <laughs> I had a couple different ones sounds, sounds and they were, like you're going down a dark, they were here. really <laughs> interesting, but there was some like pretty horrific moments, which sort of led to me learning how to that like I, I think I actually like literally got PTSD from one of them and I had to learn how to like experience anxiety properly because I would just get like I'd randomly be sitting somewhere and get 
super intense anxiety like out of nowhere and it was like disrupting mm-hmm. my life so I had to learn how to be mindful uh, just to sort of combat Almost like that. ayahuasca gone wrong or uh, yeah I didn't do ayahuasca that is crazy stuff yeah. don't you have to go to like Peru to do that or something no crazy? now they're, they no, they have people yeah, yeah. Uh, just go buy Canada. it from John down the street or whatever. yeah you can <laughs> which is kind of weird because they have yeah. a process that's like you know passed along the ages and now people are kind of shortcutting it here just yeah. drink this exactly. I suppose that's what yeah. Carl Jung said I, uh, I did shrooms once in my life and it was actually really enlightening. It kind of put me through a, a altered consciousness in which I really tapped into, yeah, I actually had uh, traumas as a child that I thought were not that traumatic, kind of just pop up to my awareness for me to almost just identify, be aware of it. And then I was like, oh, wow, that affected me throughout my whole entire life without me even knowing. And then healing it, letting it go. But last night I actually probably had the most, I guess, hallucinogenic, similar experience with just meditation. I was mm. doing kundalini breath. Can you explain um, what that is? Basically, you just do deep breathing, deep breathing down to like the pit of your stomach mm. and slow exhale. And after a time, like you guys, it, you don't need to be an expert in meditation to practice deep breathing because uh, even at uh, like halfway through our podcast, we're talking about, oh, it all starts with the breath. The breath is so powerful. It moves your entire lymphatic system. It really can help oxygenate your whole entire body. But even ancient Chinese, they talk about uh, breath gives you prana, chi, life force. And uh, amazing things can occur from just deep breathing. Um, But going back to my story last night, uh, it got to the point where my body was not physical anymore. It was more just uh, like you're in the ocean. You're just like kind of chilling in the ocean. Mm. So you're completely almost at ease with your entire uh, surroundings. And then when I finished it, I got up and my, you know how you know yourself like kind of behind the eyes. Like this is who you mm. are. Like this is your mm. body. This like there's no limit or right. there is limits, I guess. Right. Um, there's like a finiteness. After my meditation, I felt like my consciousness was around here. Like this mm. was part of me as well as here like outside of your physical body there's like uh, an entire area exactly like i i could sense a field around me and then also just like the euphoria like when you're kind of in an altered state the euphoria of just like touching it is really really interesting but i was like oh i feel like i just did shrooms and this is like the first hour of it um, it reminds me of the way that you experience things when you're a kid or how I imagine a dog experiences things <laughs> or like they're so in the moment and yeah. they have like this like default Jealous. mode of just like loving every new experience and person that they come in contact with. And it seems like a lot of meditation is like learning how to be in that headspace and right. sort of like be in a place where like you're grateful for where you are and you're like appreciating whatever's going on at that moment and just sort of like maybe experiencing it without an opinion, but also feeling gratitude. Yeah, yeah It's more like less in the mind, more feeling, like more yeah. heart-centered, because they say it's the organ of truth, your heart. Mm. And you, we can get lost up here. We have brilliant minds, we can memorize things, we can learn stuff, mm. but if we get stuck up here and we don't feel and like live, then you get kind of screwy. Okay, yeah. cool. I had a question for you now that we're on the topic of um, psychedelics and breathing techniques. So mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a story. I was just in Ireland 
And my sister referred me to this. She was um, a professional counselor that they bring into to offices and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I wasn't. I was totally not expecting this, but she said, you know, she's a very intelligent person to talk to. She has a PhD in psychology. Wasn't planning to go down the the uh, the road of meditation and spirituality, but when I got there, that's kind of where I was led to. Now, she had a history with drugs, and for her, she would always try to chase these, you know. Uh, euphoria or, or deeper, um, deeper levels of consciousness, like you're saying, mm. with Carl Jung taking shortcuts, yeah. and so she was just like, okay, I stopped that, and she was like, through meditation, I want to find ways to to access this without using psychedelics. Mm. Now, going on your point about breathing, she put me through this really fascinating, I guess, session, and it was supposed to be an hour. So she laid me down on, on the ground and she started, she put noise canceling um, music in my ear. It was kind of exciting music. Um, and then the most interesting device was somewhat of a strobe light. It was above my head. And the way she described it, to this day, I'm still was trying to find it. Was it a kaleidoscope or was it, it actually a strobe it, light? It was, a, so when I closed my eyes, it created a kaleidoscope. Oh, wow. It was super fascinating. Whoa. And I have been looking oh, for she, this she's device. She's it. very advanced. And she said this device was created by someone who worked with Steve Jobs, actually, to mm-hmm. provide him with, I guess, um, wow, deeper forms of meditation. So anyways, awesome. she lays really me down. Cool. She puts this strobe light over my head. And she gets me to breathe, but not in the way that you were breathing. It was... It was almost like hyperventilating. She's oh, like, <laughs> yeah, like Wim Hof. Yeah, and so I didn't, I didn't know the terminology, and I wasn't expecting because when you think of meditation, you think of deep, slow, controlled breaths, mm-hmm. and this is very yeah. different. You're hyperventilating the whole time. So yeah. I go through this. She's playing the music, and the lights, the strobe lights over my eyes are just creating. It was like, a, like you said, it was a kaleidoscope. Wow. Very fascinating. I had a. I would say a stronger trip, a higher level of euphoria. So I've tried mushrooms a couple times mm-hmm. and you know, I did it in a safe place. Me and my ex-girlfriend, we lit candles, we played music. Didn't get anything out of it, unlike yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, without any psychedelics, without the use of psychedelics, I was able to feel this euphoria. And by the way, like I said, it was supposed to be an hour session. What felt like 30 minutes, an hour and a half had gone by. Wow. So you did that for, you laid there for an hour and a half? Hyperventilating. Now here's another cool part. And I won't, (laughs) I won't say attest to the, the, the total benefits from this, or, um, I guess what I got out of it, but I'll tell you, I had some injuries. I had some knee injuries. I had some ankle injury injuries, um, shoulder injuries, you know, Mm -hmm. through sports, you know, exercise and whatnot. And as I was doing this, these joints were tingling. It was the coolest thing. Wow. It felt like yeah. my body was repairing itself, or at least it was acknowledging that I had these injuries. And afterwards, so going when I was in Ireland, I did a lot of hiking. I was traveling around on my feet. After that session of just the breathing techniques, the music and whatnot, I was... I definitely felt better walking around. I again, oh, yeah. I won't make any outrageous claims that it's yeah. it healed no, me or nothing. Experience, so you're allowed. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. But man, it was Cal. You're arrested. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it was cool. So I fascinating. Yeah, that's yeah, really cool, cool, man. Yeah, no, I was it, not expecting that. So yeah, it, like your experience, your your body just 
is starting to actually uh, initiate healing mechanisms, healing repairs. Right. Because you're at such an altered state, such a low like state of metabolism to some extent. Like your nervous system is shutting down and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, let's get the boys out to start repairing <laughs> yeah. some stuff. Like yeah, we can yeah. finally do it. You know, Calvin's out of his own way. Yeah. And uh, another thing about the breathing, what was I going to say? <laughs> get in there, take oh, yeah. joints. Oh yeah, so breathing. Uh, people, like let's say they lose a loved one in their life, something really terrible and they never fully actually heal from the event. They don't feel the emotion. Uh, usually it's a male thing. Like males try to, you know, we're in a society where you got to suck it up. True. And yeah. we say sorry when we cry because it's it's, it's a sign of weakness, That's right? That's so Canadian. <laughs> so sorry. But yeah, so you get these guys, CEOs, Navy SEALs, uh, us, whoever, they start breathing deeply and mm -hmm. all of a sudden they ball their eyes out or mm -hmm. they're their arm starts twitching because the tremors are increasing, like their healing ability is actually activated. So when you get out of your own way, this is why I love meditation. When you get out of your own way, you allow your body to innately heal itself back into order. And this includes your mind as well. And this is such a pow, it's like rebooting your whole computer, your whole body. Mm. And you just updated some software, you, uh, you got protection and you're just ready to go. You probably felt way you know better than your usual self after that session absolutely the lady actually said too that she would have a lot of clients these are business professionals we're talking ceos probably a bunch of sociopaths to be, if we're being honest and she was saying you know she would sit down and she would just go through this and it was a release for a lot of them they mm -hmm. they hold a lot of stress there's a lot of mm -hmm. people's uh, livelihood on their line on on the line and so they would visit her out in the woods by the way, I, I forgot to mention, she also grew up in the woods. She's oh. very Celtic, and it's just, it just reminded me that when you mentioned that you grew up in the woods. That's so, awesome. Yeah. She's a healer. Yeah. I mean, I'd I like to believe that's the case. I, I, I know that there are, we know there are benefits to reducing stress, and yeah. we know that meditation can reduce stress, but I think we have to be careful in um, attaching explicit right. health benefits in terms of physical and, that, and that's why I said I didn't want to make any it may be strong uh, we just don't know that anything yet. like that yeah either. well there is science there is studies it's just not mainstream um, when like you look about the nervous system how how it operates you have to fight or flight right or you have to rest and digest so if you're stressed out which most people are they're chronically they're not digesting their food right and that they're they that is allergies. definitely true yeah. yeah yeah and with the different uh, I guess of brain waves you have the alpha or beta alpha theta delta Meditation can induce theta and delta, which is pretty much near sleep, like sleeping's delta. And there's certain like scientifically proven, uh, I guess, effects that occur when you're in those states where your body will upregulate certain healing mechanisms. Like you can literally, there's a, there's a study, Dr. Dean Ornish, I believe, he had the relaxation response where he just taught people to kind of like breathe and relax, like very similar to meditation. They studied, uh, it was like 16 people uh, versus 19 people that didn't meditate. Uh, the 16 people that did it for nine years, they had 2,000 genes activated that were of health promotion. And the, obviously the non-meditators didn't have that. So we have 30,000 genes. Uh, 2,000 of them were activated just because these people were practicing, or this is what he concluded, these people were practicing these stress reduction techniques. So on a genetic level, we begin to heal. 
another aspect is telomerase. Telomerase is uh, like a binding protein that goes on to the end caps of your telomeres. And your telomeres protect your DNA. So when every time we have a cell divides, it takes off a little bit of telomere. And essentially that's like our, the length of our telomeres is correlated to uh, our longevity and how healthy we are to some extent. Mm. Like, uh, like, I guess smaller telomeres are associated with chronic degenerative diseases mm. like Alzheimer's and uh, mm. Parkinson's. So these meditators, uh, I think it was like a three month study, they actually uh, improved their telomere length and their telomerase enzyme production. So like quite literally when you just give your body the ability to kind of reach homeostasis, your body can kind of, it sounds almost miraculous, but it's, it's, I think it's so natural, uh, or it's so unnatural nowadays because we're so, we're, we're drinking coffee, we're, we're yeah. going rush hour traffic, we're worried about our relationships, about money and debt that we don't really know what true health or healing this, is. This might be oversimplifying it, but would it be like the placebo effect, essentially? Yeah, the placebo effect is another... I'm sorry, I'm going to go off the tangent here again. Please. Uh, but there's a thing called spontaneous remission, and it's like, let's say, the placebo effect on steroids. So there's like actual cases where there's a man, he was receiving treatment... This is in 1957. He was receiving treatment, uh, this like pharmaceutical drug relating to his cancer. I forget what it was, like a specialty cancer. He had like tumors, this, like really large tumors all over his body. Anyways, this guy believed in this medicine so like much that within like a month, his cancer just started vanishing, right? Like mm -hmm. literally his cancer was healing over this month. The, I guess published or doctors or the press came out saying, oh, actually this drug is not effective at all. And uh, mm. essentially, it, like, it doesn't work. And so this guy, he was devastated. He was heartbroken. His yeah. cancer came back, like, in a matter of months, came back to full strength. His doctor, understanding about the placebo effect at that time, he kind of made a white lie and gave him, uh, like, a saline and saying, mm. oh, no, that was just a bad batch. This is the high pharmaceutical-grade batch. Yeah. They injected into him. He's like, oh, thank you, doctor. I feel great. And he was, or feel great or happy, whatever, but his cancer was actually healing again. And then they came out, no, it's conclusive. This drug does not oh. work. And the guy died two days later. Shit. And there's <laughs> so many. That sounds like Space Jam, that, like that special, the special yeah. drink in Space Jam yeah. that he gives. Well, I like this one. Placebo is powerful. I, I agree. The placebo effect is real. Um, but I think, yeah, we have, we have to be careful in terms of how far we're making claims. And, you know, I. Not making I, a claim is a case you know, study. No, I, and I'm like I said, I'm open to it. I'm open to the the idea. I'm open to the science. I have a background in biochemistry, so we're talking about telomeres. You're speaking my language, but um, so down regulation of, and upregulation of genes is a thing. Stress reduction for our health is a thing, but I just think it's always best to before we start um, putting too much stake in ideas yeah. to have more than a few studies or anecdotal evidence of one one story of one person. Because, yeah, it may not be mainstream yet, it may be on the cutting edge, yeah. but as with any technology, any science, we have to uh, take things in stride and, and it's a slow moving thing, right? So 100% it's possible. I just, we, I just don't, we just don't, we don't know the extent yeah. of, of benefits yet. And that's what has always sort of, like, I have this background uh, voice in my head that whenever I'm thinking about meditation 
or things that are, I guess, less easy to see the results of. I like have this background skeptic that's saying, oh, well, what about the placebo effect? Like, is, is meditation just the same as sleeping? Like, which, you know, it's like, I'm always wondering, like, to what extent is the placebo effect affecting, like, certain things? It does. It can, to some extent. And it's healthy to be skeptical, but yeah. it's, it, yeah. it, but you don't want to be cynical either. you got to yeah. be open to things. It's, but It's yeah. hard to find the right amount. Yeah, there's, there's, like, two types of people. There's people that are in la-la land that think, like, everything is perfect, everything can happen, and everything's awesome, or wh whatever, like, whatever idea they have, they're in La La Land, and people are just like, no, not really. And then there's the the hardcore yeah. science people, yeah. or the cynic, cynical people that don't even look at the science, yeah. they just have an opinion for God knows what reason, and it's like, okay, I'd rather not be a person that is waiting for everyone, like, for mainstream science to declare it to the rest of the world, because it just doesn't really happen that way. Mm -hmm. the, there's no, like, yeah, like, every now and then on the news, they'll publish an article that's like, coconut oil is bad for you. But then the next <laughs> decade, it's yeah. freaking, you know, it's I, good I for think, you. I think yeah. that's the problem that a lot of people that promote meditation face is that you get people that are overly enthusiastic. They're not looking, they're not being, you know, um, rational or they're not being, you know, properly skeptical about things. I'm, yeah. I actually am highly skeptical um, in general. And... I can only speak to my my own experiences, but I, I yeah. for the longest time I'm looking at this stuff. I'm thinking, okay, well, they're making a lot of big claims, and you know what? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in these in, in related industries that make a lot of big claims, mm -hmm. and so it kind of it kind of changes um, the general population's idea of meditation because they're thinking, oh, it's you know, lady over there, you know, in her 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 mala dress what do they call them the the sari or whatever mm. and she's just kind of being hokey she's pushing all sorts of vitamins and pills and yeah and it's important to separate the two and it's important to separate that meditation's not in that realm exclusively and like let's say during ancient times or like i, I guess our wisdom ancestral wisdom talks about like the power of the breath you know meditation eating clean food getting out in the sun whatever mm -hmm. like just basic living principles and present day we're trying to find confirmation of ancestral wisdom like meditation is not a new thing mm -hmm. yeah um and I, I wouldn't even say claims because there's like obviously specific studies and then that author will have you know a conclusion or a result or a research team will have a conclusion or result yeah um but a lot of the times it's not even it, it's anecdotal evidence and obviously mm -hmm. that's not you know empirical great data Sure. But there's a lot of pioneers. I'm I like visionaries. I like people that kind of push the boundaries just a little bit because those are the people like test like Elon Musk, right? Or uh, anyone that's like designed things that are outside the realm of mainstream, uh, I guess ideas. That they've always pushed it. And mm -hmm. with Dr. Joe Dispenza, he is literally uh, testing and studying day by day and coming out with new things, and you don't have to believe anything he does. All you have to do, if anyone's listening to this podcast, the only thing is just try it out for yourself, meditation, um, mm -hmm. or breathing, or just finding stress reduction in your life, mm -hmm. because as soon as you kind of lower the stress, or just allow yourself to, you know, just to be, to be a human, then that's all that matters, and it really doesn't matter what type of benefit you're going to get, because it just you get to experience it. And it doesn't cost you a damn thing. You don't need a gym membership. Exactly. That's what I love about it. It's free. Yeah. So. Sure. 
Thank you. This is, we're finishing this. Sure. So I wanted to got a kind of a break in the conversation. I wanted to talk about the idea of a sense of self, because that's a big part of ancient Buddhist tradition and something I don't know a lot about. Um, and so th this idea that the self doesn't exist, um, apparently it's impossible or near, you know, very, very difficult to explain um, in using just sheer lo logical... Yeah, uh, linear thinking, yeah. Yeah, but apparently experienced meditators, um, they get this strong sense of... of and, and to me, um, it lines up with the science. Like I... Um, so, and this is why I, in, in general, to our, our, our previous point, I do lean towards the the likelihood that there are so many more benefits to meditation that we're not even aware of, let alone the ones that we are actually aware of right now in terms of the stress reduction. But it is just the, the whenever something lines up socially or historically with new developments in science, yeah. that's always a good sign that there is something going on there. There's something to be found there. And so with meditation, this, this idea of, um, there being no self, that is, as, at least as I understand it, that is verified by the science of, of um, anatomy, physiology, and of just being a, 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 a constantly changing, we're basically a process, right? So yeah. if you've ever, and I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but if you've ever heard this analogy of, you know, you have a boat in the, in the, in the harbor and you take a piece off and you replace it with a new piece yeah. and you eventually do this until the entire boat's been replaced, is that the same boat? Yeah, and we call it the same boat, and we we are that. We are constantly a cycle of of uh, you know organic molecules, and yeah. with this sense in our head, as you mentioned, the feeling of being in our head, that's what we associate with 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 self. But when you and I, I, it makes sense to me because in my limited experience practicing meditation, you really do feel that, and it may not be as like visceral as stepping outside your body as you described or as some people experience on on dmt yeah um another very powerful psychedelic yeah but um when you really and this for me is uh one of my favorite parts of meditation when you really just are able to take every thought and, and emotion that comes comes out of the black the darkness uh, at face value and really just feel that you really start to get a sense of you know, w w what am I? What am I as a conscious being? Yeah. And we are just a collection of all, you know, our conscious experience is a collection of all these different um, things and they're all coming at us without our control. Yeah. Like, and so but this is a long-winded way of saying what we found now, what backs that up in science is this idea of a, the modular mind mm -hmm. and the idea of conscious and subconscious. And, and, I won't let it go down into the, the discussion of free will because that's a, a show in and of itself. But I think there's some there's some conceptual overlap here because once you acknowledge that um, the thoughts that come into the, the the surface, the forefront of our mind, uh, aren't of our own choosing, yeah. that kind of calls into question the, the whole question of, of of free will. And that's a you know it's, it's interesting discussion. But yeah, that, um, yeah, no, that's cool because you're you're bridging the gap. And science nowadays is bridging the gap between like metaphysical spirituality versus like scientific empirical data. Yeah. And because yeah. it is like they're starting to meet up at the finish line. Yeah. It's that concept amazing. of like 
I choose what I think about, but why sometimes do I think about things that I don't like or that I don't want to think about? Yeah, and and you know you use the term monkey mind, right? <laughs> so like that that is you know so and and when you um, and they you know they they've done like left brain right brain studies and they're they're actually finding that when we think we make a decision for a certain reason, they we know that that that's actually a rationalization in some part of our brain, and the real reason was something else, mm. and so. When you are, when we're considering something like, you know, should I have coffee or should I have tea? And you are mulling those two things over in your mind. Ultimately, you didn't choose to even come up with a question to begin with. And then when you make that decision, you're, you're not really in full control as to why you made which decision. There's all these weightings that are going on behind the curtains that are impacting the ultimate decisions that we make. So sort of like giving someone a multiple choice test and being like, which color do you like? Yellow, red, or blue? But it's like they didn't put purple on there. Right. So it's like you you get you have the exactly. illusion of free will. And so and then so meditation, mindfulness meditation is when you have these different you know subconscious or mo you know module um, parts of your mind, and they're not physical compartments. They're mu you know much more overlapped and in, in, interact interacting with each other. Yeah. But when they come up with a, a decision and they throw that into your brain. Like, and that can be like, you know, using bad, bad decisions as an example, like, you know, I'm gonna, you know, take 10 shots at, at this bar or whatever. Yeah. You, you know, meditation allows you to like really look at that thought and say, well, why do I want to do that? Why is that is, you know, instead of just doing it, you're kind of, you feel that thought and you can kind of unpack the, the motivations behind it. And that really allows for more purposeful action, which mm -hmm. is, one of those kind of non-tangible benefits of meditation, right? So yeah. are you alluding to like the subconscious mind kind of predicting your future behavior and choices in life? Well, it, there's, there's some overlap there. And uh, so let, let's do a, a quick, quick thought exercise. So okay. when I ask you, um, think of a, a city. Mm. What, what's the first city that comes to your mind? Calgary. Okay. Seattle for some reason. So for some reason, and that, that's that's a critical critical qualifying statement because when, now you do it again, and then and as you're doing it, pay attention to how your your mind comes up with the solution. So if I say what's what's a what's the a movie you think of? Okay. And you just you can kind of feel your mind. Well, this one I saw this one last week, but right. this one I have I remember from a kid. So it's like, but you didn't choose any of that. Right. That's all just happening in the background. So a lot of that is subconscious, and. Uh, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but this is kind of the forefront now of, of um, um, neuroscience and understanding decision making and um, and ultimately what it is is these um, these different modules that are all competing for attention in the consciousness yeah. and they all have their own power over you. You know, <laughs> like schizophrenia. Well, it, it feels like that really. I mean, when you think about it that way, but ultimately, you know, it makes sense from an evolutionary perspective too because our brains didn't just evolved to our current capacity right now, right? There was, yeah. and, and and there's a possibility even that there are other forms of consciousness going on in different subgroups of our brain that we're not even aware of. Yeah. So, and then, then, then those are, you know, ultimately interacting with our conscious mind or our su uh, subconscious mind. I, I have no idea, but. Yeah. Love, like we define everything. We, uh, like we create patterns. We understand. We're very. Uh, linear conscious thinkers, right? And so once you learn that two plus two is four, you don't have to relearn it. That is in the memory bank. And so it just pops right. right up when you have to, you know, come up with an answer and even in relation to that. 
So we, yeah. we just have these amazing uh, machine brains, you know? Just like, Yeah, it seems like a lot of meditation is sort of being... It's just developing the ability to look at the bigger picture. And I think that's important because you can get caught up just being a human and being like, oh, well, we're very yeah. sophisticated. We know lots about many things. And you can forget how, how little we know about things as well, like specifically the brain. Yeah. The amount that we don't know about the brain is amazing. We don't even know how sleep fully works. Yeah, I think the only, thing, the only ways that we can measure the brain is we, have, we can measure the, or see the different types of brain waves, those four different types. But I think beyond that, opposed to well, physically like looking at it, there's activation. not... Yeah, like there's so much going on. Speaking of the brain, uh, meditation has been uh, seen in certain studies uh, that it can actually reduce the amygdala's activation. Meaning like the amygdala is kind of, it's known for the organ uh, that perceives fear. Mm. So if someone has a really activated amygdala, they're just always kind of like fearful and anxious and stressed out. Mm. And uh, long-term meditators, actually their amygdala... I don't want to say shrinks because I'm talking about the hippocampus, but the amygdala is actually deactivated, and so you're less likely to feel those feelings of fear. And there's a lot of really amazing benefits of the neuroplasticity of uh, the brain with meditation and neurotransmitters such as serotonin, norepinephrine, and uh, so it helps with mental health on a huge level. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And... Um speaking to that, expanding a bit on it, I mentioned the default mode network earlier and in experienced right. meditators, like not just, you know, a few thousand hours, like tens of thousands of hours, years of right. their life spent meditating. Yeah. That signal is basically non-existent. They don't have that constantly distracted brain on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's impossible for us to get it, you know, understand what the mind of someone else is like. Yeah. But when we're doing these scans on, it's like, Clearly, the way that their brain is functioning is a, 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 a notably different than people who do not practice meditation. And what are the benefits of that? Um, there, there are obvious practical ones, but I think there are likely um, more benefits that go into well-being and just satisfaction of life. And mm -hmm. that's that's very interesting. And I, uh, it's not something that I've really explored yet. I kind of look at it like. Um, I want to start at level one, start at level two, and then eventually yeah. get to that um, point where you're pursuing nirvana or yeah. enlightenment, if that's an option. Sure. I mean, but. rightly so. It's good to start at the start if you're doing something like that. And let's say for somebody like me or like Cal or like somebody listening that is at sort of closer to the beginning, what would you say would be the best way to sort of start meditating? Guided meditations, I think, is a good way. Yeah, if you learn how to just deep breathe, even lie down or whatever and follow a guided meditation, then you're well on your way. Do, mm. do you guys have some recommendations on what specific, because as far as the guided meditation goes, there's a huge, um, there's yeah. many different types of meditation. And when I'm personally, when I'm looking at guided meditation, there's a lot of them focus on sleeping. Um, so there is, is there any lot, specific yeah. types yeah. that you would recommend as an entry level um I think maybe just try different ones until you get one that you enjoy because at that level, ultimately, it's just, it is really just, you know, the fundamental principles yeah. of focusing on the breath and, and not getting distracted by your thoughts, accepting your thoughts, um, and then, you know, so dealing so I, with them. I'm, I'm looking for a specific 
terms here. So there's like people meditate for different reasons. I would yeah. There's like assume, certain so. like uh, niches of meditation. So you got the alt right spiritual people talking about aliens and extraterrestrials, <laughs> and then you got you know the the religious people, and then you got the scientific people, and then you got the the person that just wants to record really cool, relaxing, peaceful messages. Right. And so that is up to you to figure out. Okay, if I'm if I'm a bit religious, I want more of that type of specific meditation. Yeah, even like But just experiment because this is the one recommendation I will say is that you will not like meditation. Like for majority of the people listening to this, they will not like meditation at the start because your ego, your mind will say, this is stupid. This is pointless. I'm not getting anything done. Mm -hmm. And you will be resistant to it. You just got to keep on kind of just how you first start working out. You don't really like it and you're sore. And after a while, you start craving it and you look forward to it. And then you start seeing the benefits. Like meditation is like give it at least eight weeks. And I, I guarantee there is going to be signi- well, not significant, but noticeable You start changes. noticing it. Yeah, exactly. So one of the cool things when I was doing my research as far as um, intro to meditation, meditation 101, was um, rather than sitting down, you know, cross-legged or in these kind of uncomfortable poses. Yeah. Um, just sit on the couch like you would when you're watching TV, reading a book or something like that. I never sit up. I'm always on my back. Okay. You don't want to be too comfortable because then you you will naturally just fall asleep. That was it's a very my, relaxing thing. Yeah, right? yeah that, that was my problem. problem. I tried yeah. it in a full would, tank too. So you want to be, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like to be comfortable but not like too comfortable. But right. to, to answer your question, Kyle, yeah. specific like, tools, I would say try Headspace, Headspace or the Waking yeah. Up app is really good because it's just, it's like uh, a, a daily, you know, 10 to, or like I would say seven to 15 minute daily thing that up was that the sam harris one yeah and he kind of tailors tailors it for beginner meditators so he kind of adding things slowly and you know um getting you familiar with the process and and really that's you know like Cole said it's really what you want out of it because he's a very analytical guy he's a neuroscientist Mm -hmm. so for him it's the more the the analytical part of it and um you know understanding the theory of meditation whereas i think um, you could, some people might prefer a more uh, quiet, simple, just, you know, keeping you on, on the, the, uh, the breath and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, then going on that as well, I'm just curious, like you mentioned, meditation is very subjective, um, as far as when you practice it, but I'm curious, Simon and Cole, uh, what, when do you guys meditate? When I know a lot of people do it when they first wake up. Um, some people just say in between work, they, they find some time just to sit down, close their office door and, um, you know, meditate a little bit. What, what would you guys, when do you guys find the time to meditate? Yeah, that, that's one of the, the, probably the biggest issues people find is that they just don't feel like they have the time to do it. And yeah, like you got busy lives, you got to do things, you got to pay bills. That's fair. But you can devote five minutes to just chilling out for myself. I do it whenever I have the chance to. So it's not strict. I'm not going to be regimental about it. I'm just going to do it when I can. Mm -hmm. And just make it, like if you are meditating, make it the best. You know, it could be a short meditation, but if you really allow yourself to meditate instead of trying to do like a long extended meditation. So yeah, for myself, I just do it whenever I have time. And sometimes I'll do a couple times a day, three times a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other times I don't do it and i'll just like in the shower i'll just take a couple deep breaths like exactly. it doesn't have to be a crazy 
practice. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, you can really be flexible and, and um, like, like you said, just take a breath. And, you know, yes, it's like two seconds, but that can make such a profound impact on your well-being. And, we've, you know, you use the example of being stuck in traffic or getting cut off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great time for just a deep breath. And that's kind of a <laughs> yeah. quick, yeah. simple form of meditation that allows you to like, okay, why am I feeling all this anxiety and anger? Uh, you know, life is beautiful. Yeah. You know, enjoy this moment. And then it, the difference, so this is something I borrowed from Sam Harris, the difference between being mad for six hours compared to six seconds can make such a large oh, impact know, yeah. Yeah, on, on what your life looks like. So those are kind of those two, those benefits that you wouldn't really think of, but um, yeah. And I, for me, I, I like to meditate uh, in the mornings, but um, that's just me. And yeah, whenever you can, you know, squeeze in five, 10 minutes, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. an hour a day is a good, a good uh, goal for long-term for sure. Wow. Yeah, that would be, That'd be pretty good. So going on that then, so Simon's been trying to recruit me to go on this uh, 10 days silent meditation retreat. Yeah. Yeah. And for, so for those listening that already have a little grasp on meditation, maybe you could explain that a little bit more for those that want to elevate their meditation. Sure. Well, I mean, I I mentioned it earlier and, and the history of it is, it's kind of, um, Essentially, it's it's a spin-off of Theravada Buddhism, and it's mm-hmm. really kind of like a secularized, westernized meditation practice. There's really, it's kind of, there's not a lot of Buddhist teachings, there's not a lot of uh, spiritual um, tenets to it, but yeah. mm-hmm. I'm curious what, what, what your thoughts on that are, Cole, for... They say that's how it. Buddha reached enlightenment, was doing Vipassana. <laughs> What's yeah. interesting? It's basically just mindfulness of your breath. Like, there's nothing to it. I, this is what I know, like, I don't know that much about it. Yeah. I want to do it eventually, but it's just, you literally observe your breath for 10 days straight. Wow. <laughs> it's weird. It's interesting that like, the like when you meditate, not when you're like, you go to the washroom or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'll describe the program real quick if, if, if you're interested. So it, it is a 10 day silent retreat. So that includes, you know, anyone else who's doing the retreat with you. Um, and it consists of about 10 hours of meditation no broken up throughout the day. <laughs> so, and, and the idea is to, um, to get the full benefits of the practice to, you don't have your phone there, you don't have writing utensils, you don't have books to read. Um, you're, you are really just focusing on not just the breath, that's kind of the, definitely for beginners, that's what you, you're doing probably for the majority of that trip, but um, what you, and I've probably only spent a couple hundred hours meditating personally, so this is gonna be a, a difficult, thing for me. I'm kind of nervous and excited for it, but, um, really it's, 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 um, everything. So the, the feeling of your body, the feeling of being in your head, if that's what you're feeling, um, you know, you can analyze your visual field and how that is perceived in your consciousness, these thoughts and emotions that are coming in and, and, and just being observant of that. And that's, that's it really. It's, it sounds, it sounds simple, but that's that's the entire practice, and um, it's this organization. It's worldwide, so they have centers everywhere, um, and it's free. So wow, it's, it's free. by donation. Yeah, so you donate at the end if you want. Whoa, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's it called? Uh, it's, it's just called Vipassana. Vipassana, and it's it's based on the teachings of a guy named S. N. Goenka. He's a you know he's a a Buddhist um, meditation teacher. Yeah, and um, 
Yeah, so the course, this one is in Youngstown, Alberta, which is a few hours east of here. Mm -hmm. um, but they have a, a, quite a few in, in, um, in BC as well. And Youngstown? Yes. They build that city just for the retreat? I've never heard of that <laughs> in my life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Vipassana is like hell week for Navy SEALs, for like meditators. Exactly. That's a good way of like describing you, it, yeah. Like you can't escape anything. You're just, you're there. Yeah, and yeah, that sounds intense. It's interesting the connection between like spirituality and silence because I know that like I have some really devout like Catholic members in my family and they'll go on like uh, silent retreats for weekends yeah. and stuff. Yeah, what is that? Is it just a chance to be like so introverted and 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 so I mean not introverted and I don't say that in like a negative light because often that term the word introverted. Is kind of used to oh, yeah, describe Western society. For yeah. Sure, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it is sort of a chance to, to look very much inward, absolutely, without interruption. It, it, that's another key thing: is is being away from the distractions. Yeah. So that's a, a key component. And uh, I think a good place to start is a, is a weekend, two or three days before jumping into a ten day retreat. Mm -hmm. um, that's what and, I'm gonna do. And then eventually, before jumping into a three month or, or longer retreat. Where wow, three months. That's okay. a thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh geez, that yeah. was ten days. Well, for for this this course, it, it is ten days is a standard Three course. Um, but it, so this one, there's still spots open if you guys are interested. That's it's a, uh, the end of January. So for the, the ten days. For this ten days, it's a it's a beginner's course. That's when you're doing it. Yes. Wow. So I'm registered. Have you done? A, have you ever done anything like that? Like have you ever done like a couple days at a time? I've or? tried to do a couple days and I found it difficult, but. It's more just getting over that initial hump where you're yeah. you're feeling anxious yeah. and you want to do stuff. But when you're locked into it, um, yeah, boot camp is a, is a great way of describing it because I think unless you are seasoned, it is a challenge. Those, especially those first few days of where's my phone? You're like, you know, you're like yeah. going crazy. But uh, eventually you're like, I don't need that, you know, yeah. and just to be present in the moment. And yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Like so. unless you've done it a lot of times, I've never heard of anyone going into it like confident in doing it because it is really extensive hmm. and uh but yeah no like and the one thing if anyone does do the 10-day retreat don't expect anything just go experience it and see yeah see what happens for your yourself there's a reason why you don't talk to other people you don't have eye contact like you are essentially on your own you know just connecting with whatever you want to connect with mm -hmm. i'm sure there's value just in being away from technology absolutely yeah. you know yeah. it's like just I, I don't think i've been away from technology for 10 days at a time mm. since yeah, especially nowadays eh like, yeah. like mm -hmm. i was a child like a young child i think that's important yeah. in and of itself of people who go on vacation you know it's like put your phone in a safe for, yeah. for that week you know i think there's just massive benefits right there let alone totally. um from all the other worldly distractions right yeah i don't think i'm the only one who hears my phone ringing and just is like oh god no <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else have that? <laughs> so we just wanted to touch base on a few more things that we didn't get a chance to talk about in somehow that first two and a half, two, almost two and a half hours. But um, yeah, Cole, you said there was some sort of like spiritually related things that we wanted to talk about. And that's such a big um, topic. Oh, yeah, I think we can yeah. probably... Uh, plan another episode where we can talk less about like the anecdotal and physical side of these things and, and, and maybe more the the spiritual and more ethereal side of you know mm -hmm. meditation and, and spirituality and stuff like that but yeah. um, I think we covered a lot of ground yeah, yeah no, it was awesome uh, doing the group thing I think we're um we're on a, we're on a bit of a streak here with guests and we're, we're loving it yeah. so thank you guys for 
not only coming on but hosting us this time. We're yeah. we're not in our traditional space, but <laughs> it's an amazing, amazing studio studio setup we have here. It's and beautiful. I really appreciate you guys inviting me as a guest. It was an honor. All right, guys. Thanks. Well, with that, I think we can probably wrap it up. All right. Thanks All right. for tuning yeah. in.